This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast National Candidate Series, highlighting some of the crucial races around the country in 2018. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. Hello. This week, we talk with Shauna Roberts. Shauna is a Democrat running for Congress in Ohio's 6th Congressional District, which is on the border with Pennsylvania, Kentucky, and West Virginia. And she's one of the very first candidates to receive a national endorsement from Indivisible. Shauna Roberts, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. Well, so first I just want to say congratulations on the endorsement. Yeah, thank you very much. I was I I did not realize I was one of the very first that they were working on. And I was just I was tickled. It was it was very exciting. You were involved with your local indivisible group, uh, Marchers Ohio Valley Empowered uh, from very early on. I know that you actually participated in uh, some die-ins with them at Senator Rob Portman's office to protest the ACA repeal. So talk a little bit about what an endorsement from indivisible means to you. Oh, my. Well, an endorsement from them means that um, that they that they are that they feel comfortable that I am uh, re- representing the the notion that we need justice and we need uh, equity and equality in the country and I feel just thrilled that they did it for me um, because it means that when when somebody looks at my endorsements they can say oh yeah okay she's 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 familiar with this and she's uh, she's OK. So that way they don't have to go through everything I've ever said on Facebook. And <laughs> find out. It's like a stamp of approval. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and of course, you know, th- approvals can always get taken away. So I have to make sure I, I continue to earn it every day. But it is it, it felt really, really good. And the thing that really got me was uh, the way that the national indivisible people do the endorsement is there's a there's a questionnaire they talk to you they find out things uh but they go to the local indivisible people right and they say is this person worth endorsing and over 90 percent of the people in my area said yes endorse her oh it's got to feel great yeah and and so i just i felt really really glad that the people i knew were willing to go ahead and, and do that for me and step up so it was it was very awesome well, so then let's sort of start at the beginning for you. What moved you to run for office? Um, you have said in a video that you hadn't thought about running for office until very recently. So what tipped it for you? Was there a particular moment? Well, let, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the the very long short answer. Okay? Please. November, November 2016 happened. There was an election. I was concerned about the results of that election because the person who got elected to president was not somebody who I felt had the ethics and the morality to be a president. He didn't have the character to do that and to lead us into into the future. So it bothered me. It concerned me. I know there was lots of people who were also concerned because I met like 600,000 of them in Washington, D.C. on January 21st, 2017, when we went to the Women's March. And from that time, a couple weeks later, uh, MOVE had an organizational meeting. I went to that um, and MOVE is uh, the uh, shorthand for Marchers Ohio Valley Empowered. That's the indivisible group. That is correct. The one that's local here. So we went there. Um, we've been meeting uh, monthly for now over a year. And we have we, we've done we've done we did some phone calling. We did letter writing. We've done uh, the die ins at, at Senator Portman's in the rain, which was a lot of fun in uh, late October of 2017. 
uh, we met and we were trying to figure out who was running against our current incumbent in this district. In District 6, nobody was running, nobody that we, that we had heard of. We, you know, we had been asking up and down. There were other indivisible groups up and down. There were uh, Democratic groups up and down. And uh, we couldn't find anybody. We, didn't, we, couldn't, we hadn't heard of anyone. And we were very concerned. And then uh, one of my friends at the indivisible group said, Shauna should run. And, <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, huh, well, I, you know, the, she, she did it because I'm always talking up the district. She, I, so she knows I like the district a bunch. I like the people a bunch. And she knows that I care. And she was, she was thinking that somebody who cares should be in office. And I thought about it a little bit while we were sitting there. And I decided, well, you know, it wasn't what I had planned, but nobody else has done it yet. And it seems to me that that somebody has to. So, you know, OK, I'll do it. And and we all we had a little minor riot. And um, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, all of a sudden we had it, we had a candidate and it's it's been a good fit because she's right. I I do care about the district and I do want it to do well. Uh, and I like to talk to people. But that was it. That was, you know, the indivisible, my indivisible folks decided that it was, it was time to set somebody up. Uh, and, and we weren't particularly, we, we thought for sure somebody else would, would join the primary. But as, as people have, have joined the primary and dropped out of the primary, we finally decided that I would just keep running and see what happened. So here we are. Well, so here we are. And what an extraordinary thing to do to step up like that. Uh, you gave a speech that uh, you can see actually on your campaign website where you say you need a spine to run for office and you're actually holding a human spine. It's a, uh, it's a, great, it's a great visual. <laughs> it is resin. It's not a real human spine. Oh, it isn't. But oh, yes, okay. It's, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> It's a resin spine, um, but it yeah, it's been very useful. It's I, I carry it around with me every once in a while. Mostly, if I'm talking to kids, the the, the teenagers, uh, they like the spine a bunch. So well, so you know, I want to get into uh, questions about your platform. I want to talk about your district a little. But something very interesting about you uh, is that you and your husband used to own a beekeeping business, and that is just one of those businesses that people always kind of wonder, like, what's that like? So I'll just ask you, what what was it like to be a, a beekeeper? Beekeeping is mostly picking heavy things up and putting them down somewhere else. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, beekeeping is is a wonderful occupation. Until 2009, we were doing farmer's markets, honey, beeswax candles, and then uh, beeswax and honey-based body care products, and we would sell those, uh, and it was very nice. It was wonderful to meet people. The The bees themselves are beautiful. If you ever, I mean, on a, on a, on a warm, sunny day, and you're near a beehive, and they're humming, and they're these little golden insects, and the and the sun is shining through them as they come and go. It's a it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful beautiful way to spend a day. Uh, you, you do get stung. I but, was going to ask. That's the question everybody probably has on their minds. Yeah, we've we had my my husband has talked to people about that. He was talking to a policeman, and the policeman said, "Oh, I could never be a beekeeper. You get stung." And he said, "Dude, <laughs> you have a gun." <laughs> 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 you might get shot. What the? 
He said, well, yeah, but that's different. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Well, let's talk about your district, because in a place where you can raise bees, uh, it's rural. And you actually say on your website that as a young girl in Chicago, you always dreamed of living in the country. So now you are. Tell us about where you live. Uh, You say on Twitter that it's one of the most beautiful places on Earth. So tell us a little bit about your district. My district is larger than the state of Connecticut. It is made up of 18 counties and... It is uh, all Appalachia, according to the the Appalachian Regional Commission. All of the all, every the whole thing is Appalachia. So it's got hills, it's got creeks, it's got uh, mostly deciduous forest. There's not a lot of of evergreens, but there's a few, and it's 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 gorgeous. You know, when in the winter the the icicles come down on the cliffs, and you have these long sort of frozen waterfalls and in the spring uh, you can hear the peepers peeping in the, down at the creek bottoms it's it's a beautiful place it is however it's got higher than than average unemployment it's got higher than average poverty we have some of the highest rates of child poverty in the country and and we have the the infrastructure here is it means that we are very limited in what what sort of things can go on because it's hard to get from place to place uh, we don't have uh, broadband. There's places you can't get cell phone signals. So it's it's got some limitations. Well, so let's let's talk about some of those, because a lot of that is part of your platform. And you also have said that in order to run, you need to have things that you're passionate about. So you're passionate about your district and you're passionate about a number of ways that you would like to see your district uh, do better. Um, I, I want to start with something you said about health care. You said that you are, quote, open to innovative solutions to ensure that folks get the health care they need through a combination of private and public solutions. So what would that look like for you? Right now, we, we have the ACA, which, frankly, when they passed it, it was flawed. And when they passed it, the idea was that they would be able to improve it and tweak it over time. And it just that just never happened because of the, the relationship between Congress and the president. So it's still flawed. And uh, that means that there's still people who can't afford health care the way that they should be able to. However, it's got a lot of advantages to it. The, the expanded Medicaid here in, in Ohio has been a huge help to a lot of people. I've got in this district, about 23% of the people in this district are on Medicaid. And it is, it's, a, it's been vital to the, the opioid crisis. That's the most of the people who are getting help, getting help get it through Medicaid. I'm, I'm looking at protecting that, that Medicaid, protecting the Medicare, but I'm also looking at, we've got, there's several options for like a single payer plan. One of them that I like right now is is the idea that you can optionally buy into Medicare. You know, whatever age you are, uh, you can use it as sort of a health care plan as mm-hmm. opposed to wait. And that I, I like that because it's already we already have Medicare in place and it's it works pretty well. It I, I've, I think that would work out well to to get us started on on a 
on a way to solve our problem. Right. But it, I mean, it sounds like you're what you're saying is that you're open to a, a range of options and that you have a, a pretty practical approach about it. Um, I, I want to shift over and get your thoughts on job creation. I, I know there's a fair amount of coal mining still in your district, but as you've said in speeches, it's not a growing industry. Talk about how you envision uh, a transitioning workforce. What sorts of jobs would you see people transitioning into? The there's there's a couple of things about this district. Number one, yes, coal is here, but coal is uh, a mature industry. It has replaced its jobs with automation. So we're not going to be getting any more coal mining jobs to speak of. The the UMWA, the, the United Mine Workers Association, they need to be protected, their their health, their welfare, their 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 um their pensions, everything needs to be preserved. I'm not I don't want to get rid of their jobs, but we have to admit it's not going to be growing. It's not going to give us more jobs. We can't rely on it. So I think that we have a beautiful place. We need to think about recreation. We need to think about tourism. We also need to think about manufacturing uh, and small business. We have a lot of people in this area who are I, I know people who run a trucking company. They run um, there's a, a, a gentleman who has a small manufacturing business. There's farmers who do direct to uh, consumer sales. There's a, uh, a, a cartoonist I know. There's a lot of things we can do for small business in this area with microloans and with um, incubator assistance where you have people who can give you advice and such that we, we have a lot of small business options, but we also will need, we'll need some manufacturing, but that will need infrastructure. You know, we have, we have bridges that are still, you know, 1930s. The other thing we need is we need innovative energy solutions. Okay. That means wind, solar, geothermal, and we need to start developing that. That's where the growth is in this country in terms of energy. And it's also where uh, businesses are interested in. Businesses are interested in being able to tell people, we use solar, we are renewable energy. So you see a demand for that where you are? I see that it, there's a demand for it in the nation and that we can develop it here and we can get a, a, a much better economy if we have that included in what we have. Right now, it's it's being neglected here, but I think that it can be a huge boon to this area. So, yeah. You know, I, I want to circle back to something that you were talking about earlier, and that's infrastructure. Uh, you've talked about the, the ailing state of infrastructure in your district, and we know that the Trump administration had signaled that they were going to try to do something around infrastructure, and that didn't ultimately come to fruition, and it doesn't really look like it's going to. So then I'll ask you, if you are in Congress next year, um, what sorts of things would you fight for uh, for infrastructure in the 6th District? Funding. <laughs> we need funding. They, the problem, <laughs> the problem that they have, that the administration had with their their infrastructure plan, was that it was going to be eighty percent a a self funded or private funded endeavor for the the uh, the local municipal states, and that the the federal government was going to chip in twenty percent. We don't have that sort of money to be able to fix the sort of things that need to be fixed around here. We, we just, you know, the getting, getting 20% of what it costs to fix things won't help us here. We don't have a lot of 
incentive for private industry to get involved, uh, even if I wanted them to, because we are a rural district and we don't have the sort of options for things like toll roads that other places with a with a lot of travel do. So we are stuck with you know our own small means and they are small. We are we're not we're not a rich place and we don't have a lot of money, but we need the things that that this country built this country okay, in the 50s this country built roads, it built infrastructure, it did a whole bunch and we have to admit to ourselves that one of the things that it was able to do that, I mean, one of the reasons we were able to do that is because we were willing to tax. You know, taxes are all of us chipping in to help build the things that need to be built that we can't afford to do ourselves. You know, I cannot afford to build a road every morning from one place to another. That's why I chip in to help everybody. And we all, you know, we all go on one road. Right. And, you know, we have to accept that part of our community responsibility is allowing ourselves to be taxed. Because we are not going to be able to get these roads built. We're not going to be able to get the bridges built. We're not going to be able to get the sewage lines and the water lines. I have people who are hauling water daily because they don't have water at their house. Well, you know, I I know that most progressives listening are going to absolutely agree with you. And yet that's a really tough sell. And I'm sure that you know that. The, the tax issue in general, I think, is a very – it's a tricky thing for Democrats to, to run on. And I – I will ask you, because I know that you've spoken out against the GOP tax plan and you've emphasized how it really only helps top earners and it hurts most of the people in your district. I'm wondering what the response has been like to that message. Have people heard it? Have they been receptive? Yeah. Generally speaking, people understand that they didn't get much or anything and other people who make a lot of money got a lot. Um, there's, there's, there's just, there's just nobody in the district that, that feels that they are suddenly better off because of these tax, the, the, the tax plan that they put together. There's just, there's, that was not successful for this district in terms of helping it to thrive in any way. There, there's just not enough people here who make that much money that it mattered. You know, it, 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 Life went on pretty much without anybody noticing that anybody had gotten any of these great things that they were said that they got. And so when you talk about this, is it resonating? The tax plan is not something I focus on, but when I do talk about it, it resonates. People nod their heads and they understand that they they didn't see anything. And they look around and they notice that nobody else saw any advantages either. So there, it's not a big part of what I have to talk about because it didn't help anybody. And so far, it hasn't hurt anybody. So we're we're letting it slide. But the the idea that they're going to pay for it through Medicaid and Medicare cuts is something that that frightens people a little bit. And that's we've talked about that as well. So well, and those sorts of things run counter to the economic interest of a lot of people in your district. And yet that is a big part of the GOP and the Trump agenda. I'm, I'm wondering how you're tracking support for Trump and the GOP. Have you seen support for Trump wane in your district at all? There is still a lot of support for Trump personally. There is uh, a lot of support for the general conservative platform of lower taxes and lower federal spending. Although if you talk to them about it, that that can be, it, uh, that can be brought down to personal 
experience and then they they can relate to that better but the in general they would prefer to think about about themselves as not wanting taxes so there is there is that they are conservative they are they they do think of trump as somebody who is supporting their uh their their needs and desires but they're not particularly happy with who they see as as established congre- uh, the congressional GOP establishment. They don't like them much. And do they perceive your uh, opponent, Bill Johnson, as being part of that establishment? It depends on who you talk to. Some of them still like him a bunch. Some of them are are mad and they're mad because he hasn't talked to them. They're mad because he doesn't show up for them. They're mad because he doesn't seem to be fighting for them. And and they do they do. You know, when he votes against Medicaid and Medicare, like he did this summer, they see that and they know it. Uh, And it and it makes them upset that somebody is not paying attention to what they need and is instead paying attention to the GOP establishment as they see it. So it's a tough thing to to travel, though, because if you attack the, the conservative ideal that they are that they built their their lives on then you have to try to be prepared for, for a, a very defensive response. But if you point out that there's things that we all need and that we all would benefit from, then there's always a very, very positive response. Everybody wants the things that, that will help their, their lives to be better. And, and pretty much everybody's in agreement on what it is. It's just how to get there that's the problem. Well, your campaign is presenting a counterpoint to that. Do you feel like it's getting through? Yeah, somewhat. You know, we'll see how it goes. We still have the general election. That, you know, the the thing is, kids are dying here. We have the the opioid crisis, and it, it's sixty percent more than it was, you know, in twenty six in twenty seventeen than it was in twenty sixteen, and nobody seems to be doing anything. You know, and and Johnson will say things, but he won't do anything, and. Uh, and that that's beginning to make people feel abandoned. And, you know, that they, they see that that the country seems to be talking about how well they're doing, you know, this this full on this full employment. The country's almost at full employment. You hear that on the news. But when you look around, it's not. It's, you know, here in this district, there's a couple of counties that are close to 10 percent unemployment still. And so there's a lot of frustration and, and they're beginning to look at the people who they thought were looking out for them. And that would be Johnson. So, Well, we're going to see how that plays out in part at, at the May 8th primary that is coming up in your state. Uh, where can people learn more about your campaign? Uh, the website is Shauna Roberts for Congress 2018.org. I am also on Twitter at... Roberts, Ohio, D06. And uh, I'm also on Facebook, Shauna Roberts for Congress. And I blab a lot about things all over there. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's not, not, not hard to find out what I have to say about things. I'm, I'm not particularly cautious. <laughs> well, we're very happy to have had you say things on the show. I want to say congratulations on the Indivisible endorsement. And uh, I, I really want to wish you the best of luck. Well, thank you very much, and and thank you so much for your work. Listen, the people out in the world, out in the country, who are working for a better place should feel really good wherever they are, no matter what they're doing to do it. Every every little bit helps. So you know, carry on. You know, you're doing great work. I, you know, whoever's listening to this, 
you're doing great work too. So it's an amazing time to be alive. A little scary, but it's okay. What a perfect place to leave it. Thank you so much. So all of Shauna's contact information can be found on the SoundCloud page and on the website, indivisiblepodcast.org, so you can check it out there. If you know of a candidate that you would like to appear on this show, the email is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.